Hey there. Welcome to Texas Podcast and Blast. We host coastal conversations about life down here on the Texas coast. Saltwater fishing, duck hunting, and barbecuing are just a few of the topics that are on our radar. You're invited to hear from guides, biologists, researchers, pitmasters, and some gear gurus as they'll stop by from time to time. I'm your host, Matt Springfield, and the outdoors connects us. Because we both can't wait for our next adventure, outdoors. So let's sit down with some of those folks who are really good at what they do in those outdoors, and we hope to discuss something that will equip you to have a better trip next time you decide to venture outside. Welcome to Texas Podcast and Blast, and we're excited because we're here recording our first ever episode, and thank you for joining us, and uh, we got a great season lined up ahead of us, so let's jump right into episode one here. I got a good friend of mine, Captain Bink Grimes, out of Matagorda with Matagorda Sunrise Lodge with us here today, and I wanted Bink to come on first because he's known in the industry, and if you don't know him, you'd love to meet this guy, but uh, let's just kind of get right into it. So um, how much are you fishing right now, Bink, in the spring? Man, I'm fishing uh, about five days a week. Uh, springtime, I like to, you know, do 15 to 20 trips a, a month. Uh, we do a lot of uh, a lot of doubles on weekends. People are uh, people are trying to get, uh, uh, you know, on the water. Uh, weekends are sometimes the only time they can do it. So we're we're, we're running uh, morning and afternoon, kind of kind of watching the weather too and and giving people options when you know the wind's blowing your hat off i mean we don't really care about that anymore because it happens all the time right but 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 when somebody's down here for two or three days and you and you know they're staying down here you might say hey look how about we uh you sleep in tomorrow we go out in the afternoon because the wind's supposed to die down you know just try to give everybody better options to to catch fish but you know the the good thing about matagorda is is the wind blows here. There's a lot of places to fish in the spring. When sure. you've got water, when you've got swollen tides of the spring, you got a lot of real estate to fish, and so there's a lot, a lot of options. So, so talking about those spring tides, I've talked to a number of folks. My boat's been in the shop, so I haven't been on the water much, but I know a lot of guys have been doing well on that incoming, the big incoming tides, you know, from the Gulf coming in the intercoastals and feeding the drains on the marsh. What are y'all seeing in that on those deeper transitions? Are the fish still there or kind of what are y'all messing with? You know, we it seemed like the the large tides of spring didn't get here until late April. We kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And don't get me wrong, we were we were doing well uh with our catches, but it seems to really got here the end of April. And, and we're seeing uh, tides that are bulled up from east east winds, southeast winds. And uh, and so we're, we like fishing them because we really haven't, you know, you know, the big the big question is the freeze and how it affected our fishing. Sure, sure. And, and so, you know, uh, I'm one of those positive guys. I try to, I try to look you know, to the positive side sure. of everything. And, and what I'm seeing, you know, I'm not seeing what I thought I was going to see after this freeze. You're not seeing the good or you're not seeing the bad? I'm not seeing the bad. There are some bad. 
Right. Uh, there is some bad that I saw, but I, I had prepared myself uh, when I knew what was coming. And when it finally got here, you know, we were at 12, 13, 14 degrees. Everybody's power was out. You know, it was kind of hard to talk about fishing. Right. Other than me and my wife, uh, you know, when, when people were without electricity and without water, and we were there with them, you know, and it's kind of hard to talk about fishing, you know, but it, it was in the back of our mind because, I mean, our whole business – real estate fishing uh every you know is tied to you know it's tied to matagorda every right. the fishing industry tied to the economy down there and man if there's a bunch of dead fish that doesn't promote a whole lot of tourism <laughs> sure it, it, it turns folks off and you know the crazy thing was we had a rather mild duck duck season and when we love some of that cold temperatures that we like to get after uh, and then it showed up but it, it seems that matagorda has fared as you mentioned, better than what we thought. It, it did. It, praise the Lord. I, I, um, I went out the day after it hit and went and looked at some spots, expecting to see a lot of death. Didn't see it. Day two, did the same thing. Day three, didn't see it. So I'm going, ooh, okay. And what I'm, what I'm comparing this to is the freeze of 83, right. the freeze of 89. Right. I did not live here then. I lived in Chambers County. Right. I was 12 years old, but I saw it. Yep. I saw the death. I, I remember 89 here. And I was, so I'm comparing those eyes, those young eyes to, to almost 50 year old eyes now. And I didn't see the just massive death everywhere. So I'm going, huh, okay. And, uh, and yeah, sure. Seven, eight, nine, uh, days later, I started seeing, some fish float up, okay, right. and, and, and you're naive to think that nothing died. Sure, you know, no one lived under the idea that that we didn't have an impact. Right, right, and so, but, but, you know, as the case is um, in this world we live in now, uh, anybody is an expert on social media, and a lot of people believe everything they read. Sure, and so we there was some folks on there that were. I don't know if they were trying to get bait clicks or whatever for for different shows, but man, they were preaching doom and gloom, and I wasn't seeing it. But I'm one of those dudes that just kind of sits back. I'm gonna take it all in before I say anything sure. because I'm of that uh, man. Once you throw the rock, it's hard to get it back. Right. Well, and the fact is, with a weather event like what we endured here, we don't know till 30 or 45 days after what this ecology and what the what the populations are going to do in our wildlife you know and the good news is as you've already stated from what you've seen and what you're experiencing we're better than we thought we'd be have you ever wondered how you could recoup some of those costs you spend every time you go down to the bay to have a fishing trip you ever wondered about those dollars you spend on your Aggie student that's living at Bryan College Station and you're paying the rent every month? Maybe just get a place so when you do them go to the coast that uh, you plan a fishing trip, but you want your family to come along, you want your family to enjoy that outdoors with you. If you've ever wondered what investing in one of those properties might possibly afford you and allow you to do, I want to introduce one of our sponsors. Weikert Realtors in Bryan College Station. 
They serve not only the Bryan College Station and Aggieland area, but they also specialize in Rockport, Texas. If you've ever been to Rockport, you know how it's a quaint little Texas town that has not only a number of waterways and estuaries around that Aransas Bay system, but it also has a tons of shops and fun little restaurants to enjoy time down on the coast. Well, an Aggie land speaks for itself. If you'd like to find out just what your opportunities could be to invest in one of those properties instead of just writing checks time and time again that you never recoup, give Warren and his team a call or look them up on the web. Their website is www.weichertbcs.com. That's Weichert Realtors and Bryan College Station. Give them a call for your interest and your opportunities that are waiting to own a place in Rockport, Texas, or Bryan College Station. Looking at, you know, May's here, and we're rolling into it. Uh, what are you keying on right now in this? Because we're still in a warm spring pattern. It showed up late, but it's still here. Kind of, you know, for the folks that are putting their boat in the water, what are two or three of the things that, that, that you look for out there to be more successful? Fish are starting to slick now, and they only slick because they're eating bait fish. So what's happening, shad are showing up, shrimp are showing up, and mullet are showing up. Really? And we're seeing more of that because, hey, the water temperature is 71, 72 degrees now. Right. It's probably going to get on up to 74. Our nighttime temperatures have been 69 to 74. You're mowing your yard a lot more because that grass grows when it's in the 60s at night. So when the grass is growing at night, those temperatures in the bay are getting up to 70s in the mid-70s, which is kind of our magic mark. A lot of people think that 70, 72 is the magic mark uh, to transition spring to summer, and that's pretty close. But a lot of things start happening in our estuaries when when that water temperature hits that 70, 72-degree mark. And so... That, that's what we're doing it's it's uh man one day we wade one day we drift uh, you know I ha- I've, I've had waders uh, uh a little bit more this spring than I normally have and uh, which is I mean that's kind of one of your fortes you're probably glad to have some waders back on the boat because I know so many else customers want to drift these days it is you know I used to be 80 percent wade fishing 20 percent drift fishing back in the early 2000s and and for that I wrote a book about it in 2004 sure. wade fish Texas and I mean, you know, it sold a lot, you know, uh, in the in the 2000s. But here lately, the, the old sales haven't been too much because people, uh, you know, I, they just don't wade fish as much. You know, I wade fish more uh, with my customers May uh, May through about August, and uh, still have you know customer base 20 25 years. But we get so many new people now that um, you know are just wanting to get out and catch a fish. Half of them you've got to cast for. Half of them don't show up with their own well, gear. And, and half of them, probably more than half, you don't want to put them out of the boat because that's just a little more complicated than what they're ready for. And, you know, you might want to make an addition to that book, second edition, and just do a chapter on Vibrio because it seems that once that nasty little bug got it out, you know, talking about in our waters, I noticed wade fishing slowed down a lot. It did. And, in fact, I've got – I look back at it, when, and it was it – was, uh, Released in 2004, Texas Fishing Game uh, published it. I probably have about 100 words on Vibrio in that book. It was just wasn't a, you know, I mean, it was there. We know it's it. It's been there all the time. It, it's been there all the time. And, and really the numbers are the same, plus or minus 30 
a year. What I'm talking about, how they classify it, is deaths. Sure. I know that. So, but for the most part, uh, people who contract Vibrio eat bad oysters. Good point. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not the water contact. It's, it's, it's not. their diet outside of the water, and so and so, uh, and very few people die from actually uh, getting, you know, ha- having an open wound and and getting in the water. Uh, now, you got to be smart about it. You know, sure. people with immune deficiencies, and, and you know, just don't jump out there with an open wound. But right. So, um, but but. You know, early in, a lot of people didn't even know what Vibrio was, but only the only the doctors that that had treated it with people that had eaten bad oysters and were, you know, diabetic, problems with their liver, older folks, and that's how it happened. And then, uh, I, you know, I'll be. This is kind of funny uh, to me. Uh, you know, I've written a column for um, several coastal newspapers for for twenty twenty five years, and there's a place in. Um, in uh, Port O'Connor that I like to wade right between the, uh, the jetty and the pass. It's about 32 miles from, um, I made that ride with you. Yeah. Yeah. I know <laughs> it's exactly called, it's we called the hump. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of folks in, uh, in Port O'Connor know about it. I, I mean, it's a, a magical place when the, on the incoming tide with the top water in June, it just really is. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you in the early two thousands, I would leave Matagorda, at 4.30 in the morning to try to be on the hump at 5.45 before the sun came up. Now, that's 32 miles in the dark. I'm a duck hunter. I've, I run boats, but, but I still don't like doing it. Right. And if you roll out of Port O'Connor, you've got a five-minute ride. So right. I'm trying to beat these guys there. And I and it used to be 25 people on that bar, and we're all, you know. And everybody's fighting. in the water. Everybody's in the water. Yep. Everybody's in the water. Yep. Times, they have changed. You don't have to fight them anymore. There's nobody in the There's water. There's not a crowd there waiting on you. It's one thing, it's that, and it's the other thing, it's those big old sharks that are on that. Yeah, those the, the tax man likes to show up in West Bay a little bit a little bit early and but we've seen that pattern and uh, you know, the boats now that I see out on the water, they're they're a little kinder to the drift fishermen than what the skiffs that we used to run are. But before we get too much into that change, you know, you, you mentioned the slicks, and that's just encouraging because that I mean everybody knows smell for the watermelon, get on the right side. What else you are you keying on in the spring? I mean, we can't just run around and look for slicks all day. I know there's a few other tricks out there. Yeah, um, if you're wading fishing, uh, if you're in Matagorda Bay, you're talking uh, you're talking sand and grass. Uh, those uh you're looking for an incoming tide uh, mm-hmm. from in west bay in east bay uh there's not much grass left on those shorelines so we're we're working uh working deep shell and five foot of water uh, and still keying on slicks but we're we're looking we're we're fishing structure that we fish forever uh, right and 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 I'm, when i say that i mean you catch fish there 12 months out of the year you know at, at certain times i mean it's just it's just good stuff and and here lately uh it's kind of been a barometer of where our trout stocks are you know we talked about how it looks like it it wasn't that bad for matagorda as far as trout dying and and sure there were some any any trout dead or uh, you know as bad but man I, i tell you i've had in the last six weeks 
because of the wind, I've only been able to fish East Bay about three times, and it's wow. always come on a Saturday. One was uh, a Saturday in uh, April, late April. One was a Saturday in early April. And I'm here to tell you, I released fish to seven pounds uh, in, in multiple fives, and it just made me feel good. And I tell you what really made and me And that was feel drifting good. over the shelf? Yes, drifting, yeah. over, drifting the over the shelf. Those historical places that, I mean, are on every map that people just have to learn. And With bass assassins. We were throwing bass assassins and down south lures and mirror lure little johns yeah. and, uh, and, and catching them. And the thing that really makes me feel good, you know, I, my wife and I were talking, and I, and I said, you know, if, if we have a, a catastrophic fish kill, this is when – we're, when we're huddled up in our in February when right. this thing's going right. on, if we have a, a catastrophic fish kill, the one good thing I think that can come out of this is people are gonna quit taking this fishery for granted, and they're gonna they're gonna uh, want to put things back and sure. be proactive, and that's what I've seen. Yeah, we dodged a bullet. I really think we dodged a bullet, but. In doing that, I think people stepped back and 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 counted their blessings and said, "Look, we got to change. We got to. There's a well, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of people out here. There's a lot of pressure. You can't take 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 and expect that estuary to give give give." Matagorda is such a a beautiful place on the coast. We have East Bay, West Bay. We have you know offshore the surf. We have the river and the intercoastal, all the marsh area. And what you're what you're talking about when social media got all about hey who can put the most fish on the table at the picture at the end of the day it was just come in and you're right and, and the sad part is is starting around 2000 when the center consoles and the gps's and people just started to fish more and the we needed a reminder of how to do that i was talking to some friends that fish a little further south than us and one thing about matagorda is we have deeper water and we have access to deeper water. You get down around our friends down at Bay Flats and, and further south in Rockport, had some friends that fished this weekend on a traditional, I mean, awesome place in the spring. He didn't see any bait fish. He didn't see, definitely catch any fish. And so one of the things we have in Matagorda is, I think one of the reasons we dodged a lot of that bull is we do have those safe places they can get into the to the ditch. They can get to the Gulf. You know, uh, Ging, who's going to be on with me next episode, you know, he has a great theory that they moved out to deeper water and this big spring tide's kind of moving them back in. And I'm sure he and I will talk about that. I tend to agree with that, you know, and, and I tell you, I, 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 I'm guilty of that, of throwing, uh, of throwing a bunch of dead fish on the table. Uh, you know, I mean – we're good at what we do. I mean, that's just, I mean, we are. And, and, and we've been blessed to be able to read water and do this and enjoy it. And I tell you, I just kind of, you know, when I've got a nine or 10 boats out of my lodge, you know, uh, it, it happened about 18 months ago. We would throw all these fish on the, on the, uh, on, on the, the pier yeah. and take a big old photo. And I'm, and I'm okay. Everybody's smiling. We're cleaning fish and everything. And I just, something hit me it's probably good lord tip on the shoulder and i just thought what am i doing here what am and it just i i got convicted man i i don't need to be doing that yeah and uh and so uh from that day i said we're not doing that anymore that is not 
what the what we're trying to promote and and uh you know it's it's just attitudes have to change man it they just do if we want to um continue to uh i mean the, the, our fishery is it in matagorda is so good we take it for granted uh but it is so good i mean to take as much you know i i shudder in uh in october when the birds are working you oh, go to yeah. the cleaning table yeah. and you see all those guts yep. and <laughs> and i just man you just think how does this little fishery how does it just keep holding up and holding well, up but it does you know the one of the cool things about this conversation i wish we'd have had the microphones uh what two weeks ago when we were at the fishing show that day and here you know a group of four or five guys myself were sitting around and we're all looking through our phones and the whole thing was what were we thinking that day what were we thinking that day what were we, and what i'm hearing all over the coast is a very positive move to take a more conservative effort not this isn't about not being able to take home fillets and, and enjoy a time with your family. This is about let's quit stocking our freezers with fish that never gets out of the freezer. And so, you know, those are, as you said, we've been reminded it's a very positive thing. And going into the spring, uh, you know, in May, it's we're all thankful our schools are, are finding a little bit of normalcy. But as, 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 the, as the school year comes to an end, we know that Matagorda is going to get busier. Uh, we need it to get busier. We have families and lives that depend on Matagorda getting busier. You've already mentioned that. But, you know, just to finish out that, 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 that May pattern, it's going to continue to get warmer. The, the tides are going to continue to do what they're doing in the spring pattern. Are the redfish going to stay steady? I, I, I know that we like to talk trout a lot, but I've seen a lot of redfish being caught. The redfish in March and April were the mainstay uh of matagorda because uh you know half of the folks or more than half thought there weren't any trout right and they were told that so, so they targeted yeah. the redfish and so they targeted redfish and uh and man there were a lot of redfish caught and um they've kind of disappeared towards the end of april and they do this every year it's just april's it, it you know i transition is a is a word that is overused and it's cliche i used to i used to never it, it was one of those deals when i was writing three four thousand words a, a week uh for all the magazines in the country i would never use transition because it was a cliche i didn't want you know i just didn't want to throw it out there so it was I used the buzzword it was word that everybody else was touching i wanted people to read me for to get a little something else but um that that's what's happening. I yeah. mean, that that's what's happening. I mean, in, in May, I mean, I can't. I, I put on a top water for the first time this past week. I didn't do much with it, but uh, I was kind of in between. I was right after the end of a cold front, and I was throwing a top water in sixty three degree water. Okay, I was forcing it, and I didn't sure. care because little cooler. Yeah, wanted to see what's happening. Just with wanted this. to see. I had yeah. the right guys on the boat. And, and and they we weren't gonna keep any fish. We weren't gonna you know. And that's that's the that's the thing that's man. All these people that that I have on the boat, uh, they they know what has gone on here, and they are on board with taking care of our fishery. And I haven't had to fight anybody about keeping fish. I haven't you know. It's not going to be a fight. It really you know. I mean, sure, let's sure. be honest. I'm the captain of the boat. Yeah. It's my yeah. boat. We're gonna yeah. do what we want to do. You right. know. <laughs> Right. I mean, not trying to be no, but but that's the way it is. You you captain you you know 
you're uh, you set the tone you set the tone i mean sure. you know it's that coach in me and and you know this this is the way it's going to be and uh but that's what's been just a breath of fresh air our people were showing up know know what happens listening to us and said oh man sure that's yeah. great and yeah. and i hope that they are seeing hope and rejuvenation when you do get out there you hook into some good fish okay it's still here so let's take care of it yep uh they're curious they want to know that's exactly right i had a group uh this past weekend they've tried to fish with me on this date for the last five or six years he he popped a 30 inch trout in 2015 cool. uh they think and for some reason the end of april is uh in, in these little five or six day window that I'm talking about, I catch a lot of big fish over right. the last, over the years. Well, we did it again. This and and you know we the first fish we popped was an 18 incher and he quickly threw it back out. You know then we popped a five, then another five, then a four, and then Tommy Alexander's over here drifting beside him. He pops a seven. Ken Marshall's over. You know we we have we talk a lot on sure. we have uh, VHF radio, so we 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 talk a lot on there and give each other a lot of uh, a lot of grief. But so we know what we're catching, and you know Ken catches a seven, and, and uh, so it's just it was one of those days. But you know the attitude has changed, and uh, that man we're going to take care of it. We're and we're just going to and hey man, there's nothing wrong with keeping and eating some fish sure. there's nothing wrong with that especially if you know how to fix them I and mean, we're gonna have some people on the show that help if you don't know how to fix that stuff we got some executive chefs coming on that can help us all but it, it the sad thing is is we took away the importance of the experience and in the guide business the best ones Y'all want to have an experience out there. You want the customers to take home an experience, take great pictures, go home and tell stories, laugh, parents and kids, all generations, buddies. All, I mean, that's the cool thing. And, you know, one thing that I, I get asked a lot about and one of the things I've been asked to bring up a lot on this podcast by the folks that uh, coerce me into doing this, if that's a fair word, we're talking about this style of fishing that has really become the dominant method of drift fishing we're looking at slicks you've already mentioned the birds in the fall if you're listening to this podcast and you've ever been in east matagorda you've probably been in one or two camps you've been on the fish and you've set up a drift line and somebody messed you up and every now and then everybody's been in the boat where someone else was on the fish and we made the bad read let's talk about what i call that drifting etiquette for a second, because we see we see fouls on this, and they're so easily avoided. The main, the AB, I guess, drifting one hundred and one. Know which way the wind's blowing, and know the difference between upwind and downwind. That in boat, other words, what direction is the boat gonna go <laughs> when the motor's turned off? Exactly. Yeah. So if you're drifting in a light southeast wind that southeast wind is pushing you to the north, probably the north, northwest. Right. Uh, no, at no time should you ever cross another boat in front ever. Right. Within, if you can read his numbers. And, and really, my deal is, if you can tell what color his boat is, I know white, boats or white boats but if you can 
make out the color of their shirt, you're too close. Right. You're too close. Well, in in drifting, and you just you just proved this that day. You're on those good fish. You were at one spot. Alexander's not far down the way from you. You know, Marshall's not far down the way. Typically, the fish are in a scattered area. They're not on a 15-yard reef line. And so if you're drifting, I've always said three cast. You chunk it as far as you can, one more time, one more time. In the last five years, you know, I, I, I run that old aluminum skiff. I don't care if somebody bumps into me other than going to mess my fishing up. We got guys who are spending a lot of money on boats, a lot of money on electronics, a lot of money on all the gear that look like they know what they're doing, and they left 100% of their common sense at the dock. 100%. And, and it's not new. I mean, you've no, watched it for years. That That's the, you know, that's the um, the Saturday, the Friday and Saturday fishing. It's not so much people say, man, I bet a lot of people follow you and all that. Yeah, sometimes. But what happens is I might be on a drift in front of Boiler Bio, and that's a long drift. Sure it is. And there are hot spots all over it, depending on what the water clarity is and what the water level is mm-hmm. as well. Yep. That guy might have one or two marks on boiler. I've right. got 150. Right. And I and because 150, I've done it over the years where I catch fish, but I'm marking the outside of that reef. And when I come back around to make that drift again, I'm going way, way, way wide of it. And I'm not running over anything that's going to be a potential maybe two or three hours from now. It's right. all sacred ground. If 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 I'm if I'm running from the the west end of East Bay and I come across what we part of Raymond Shoals we call girls. Yep. And we named it girls because we we catch a lot of big girls on it, and that, yep. that's that's why we know. At any time, will I ever run across? that sacred piece of shell. I don't care if it makes me go a mile out of the way. It's, it's just, I know every little mark on that thing. And, but what happens is people, it's the texting mentality. It's the, I want it now. They won't, right. they won't take the time to do it and, 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 and steer clear. And, you know, if you get anything from watching a guide or, 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 or chasing them or looking sure. at them, Watch how they run a boat when they go back around after a drift and they come back around. They're going to tell you everything you need to know if they caught fish that time. Right. They're going to go wide. They're going to probably, if they set back up again, chances are it. that's a, probably a pretty good barometer. Sure. It's worth them making a drift. But watch how wide, it, you know, if you, and there's some of them that'll, that'll like to mark up their GPS behind you. If, hey, I would love them to mark up their GPS. Yeah, that shows know. that they won't run around on it. But yeah. the sad thing is, they don't know what they don't know. Sure, sure. And but this etiquette of so distance is one thing. Two is just paying attention. You know, they get caught up on their own boat and they're out there like we're having a ride. And I'm all I play music on my boat. I'm probably not the loudest radio. I know I'm not because I don't even have the big fancy speakers that some of them boys run. But the idea of you know, if if the activity on somebody else's boat is interfering with the activity on my boat, it seems like we're too close. Way too close. And it, it happens. Uh, rarely is it by accident. Sure. 
And, you know, but the same conversation, let's talk about that waiting before. We've all had, uh, and this is an unfortunate truth about water, if you're waiting on the, on, the, on the coast, and I don't care what state it is, I just, we just know ours because we live here. We've all had that boat either blow by us too stinking close. You know, when, when we're up chasing the, the, the tight for those, those grass line fish and somebody burns that shoreline, I personally have a, I just, I wear the brightest shirt I own when I'm waiting whether it's Rockport, Port O'Connor, Sea Drift, Matagorda, because, and this is the sad part, is sometimes it don't matter if it's a guide or not. And I know we have a lot of wonderful, respectable, responsible guides, but when you see somebody wading, I have had people stop in front of me no more than two cast links. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but to give people an idea, if you see waders, and, and I know every circum, but just mainly on shorelines. Our shorelines go a long ways. We can set up some really good wades. What's the, I, I personally, if I see waders, I'm going to go wade somewhere else. I'm not going to try to squeeze in on them. Right. Uh, I mean, it, you know, number one, at no time ever do you run between a wader in the shoreline. Right. I don't care if it makes you go 10 miles out. You will never hit another wader if you go deep. Go deep. Yep. Ever. Yep. So that's number one. Never go between a wader and a shoreline. Number two, I don't care if that wader is 100, 200 yards towards the deep and his boat's behind him. Don't go between his boat and the shoreline. Swing, Don't do that either. Swing wide, right? Swing wide. Keep it off plane in all those, all that two to three foot of water. That's hallowed ground. That's yeah. sand and grass. The, the whole South Shoreline of Matagorda. It's hallowed ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 you'll never and and like guides do the same thing. I mean, over the last twenty years, I've seen my life flash before me about three times where you, I really you started some of shaking. These stories. Yeah. And it's been from the same guide. Yeah. So I really, I, I had that heart to heart with him about three years ago, and it was nice. But he just couldn't see. He just, you right. know, it, it wasn't. He was trying. But if you would just go back to the basics and lay off of the hallowed ground of West Bay, it doesn't happen much in the East Bay because. Most of the time, I don't wade the South Shoreline East Bay anymore. There's no grass on it. Right. I'm wading the middle, and yeah. if you come hit me out in the middle, you're probably gonna hit a shore reef. Right. And 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 but but West Bay, there's miles and miles of sand and grass, and, and there tons of guts along them that you tons. can stop in each one. And sometimes they're way out there on the drop off. Sometimes they're uptight. It really just depends on. Um, and, well, in, in in West Bay, and you see it more than I do. You know West Bay's good when we're leaving out of Matagorda and we're crossing Port O'Connor boats and we're not even to, you know, the Cullen House yet or, or different places. It, it, when they're coming all the way to our end, we know we got something. Right. There's there's a lot of boats that come from Matagorda. When they're coming from the west, I mean, there are a lot of them. I'll, I'll pass uh, Lynn Smith, I'll call him, sure. uh, and I'll say, hey, man, what's the hump doing? You know, because I – He'll tell me straight up because he knows I'm coming 32 miles. Man, I don't want to come down there unless right. he's it's caught right. him yet there, yeah. you know. And then he'll go, well, what's green and cotton's doing? And I'll, yeah. I'll say, man, there's bait all over. There's bait all over Oilfield. And he'll pass fish at the hump to come fish 
green or cods and i'm passing greens and cods to go fish his stuff and that but that's all right yeah i mean i i just he enjoys it i enjoy it uh you know uh there's just you know i'll stop on some of that stuff um short stop but I, I say before going to the hump sometimes uh you know greens and cottons on on a a day when i've got um an incoming tide and um and it's during the middle of the week and i really don't have to fight boats there because you can, so you can take your time and, yeah you and can really, take your time man you can check some areas out you can slow roll it and and you can fish three or four places yeah on the weekends uh Man, you gotta hit it. You gotta you get, get to the hole and stay there. You gotta hit it. You gotta be good and make sure you hit because there's not a whole lot of moving around. There's not, I mean, it, and even if you're gonna hit a spot, you can't really fish it because someone's gonna stop in front yeah. of you 200 yards. And, and that's the whole, you know. And, and so it's patience. It's patience. There's no sense in getting upset about it. <laughs> Just it's the weekend, you know. It's tough. So you know, when it comes to fishing, I think we've already heard. Matagorda fared better than what we thought. We're very blessed that we are. We're, we're still concerned about our friends down south because they got a little harder than we do. And we're excited about this spring pattern. Let's have some fun. I'm excited to announce to you today that we are partnering with our sponsor, Wyker Realtors and Bryan College Station, and we are offering a two-night free-of-charge stay at a custom bay house that overlooks St. Charles Bay in Rockport, Texas, in a gated community. There will be some restrictions applied, but let me tell you the easy way that you're going to be able to put your name in for this wonderful opportunity to enjoy a couple nights at such a beautiful bay house at a beautiful place. You simply go on Facebook, you follow both Texas Podcast and Blast and Weikert Realtors slash BCS Facebook pages. You find the post that we will both put out there that talks about this giveaway. You simply like it and you make a comment. In the comment section, just share with us one outdoor topic that you would love to see included on Texas Podcast and Blast. Remember, you have to find both Facebook pages, like this post that talks about the giveaway, and comment What's your favorite topic that you'd love to see included on Texas Podcast and Blast? With that, we will enter your name in, and at the end of the month of May, we will simply draw out one lucky winner for that two-night stay free of charge at the Bay House that I'm referring to that overlooks St. Charles Bay. I promise you, you and your family or you and who you choose to take with you will enjoy such a splendid opportunity and a great time of year just to get out and enjoy God's creation. So find those Facebook pages, Texas Podcast and Blast, Wyker Realtors, BCS. Like the comment section of this post, put your comment with your favorite outdoor topic you'd love to see on this podcast, and we'll let you know who wins. But, you know, here just in our last little segment, I want to jump over to another side of the world that Bink and I like to play in. And, you know, it, it, it's end of April going into May, and your normal outdoorsman is not thinking about duck hunting. But the fact is, this is when habitat's being repaired. This is when... Uh, all the just all the work is being done. I know people that have planted. I know people that have plowed. I know people that have built new levees. In the duck hunting side of things, what good news, bad news? What what is the state going into next ducks? And we can't, you know, this past year. And, and just disclosure, I do guide uh, with Bink for duck hunt, and we worked hard, but we had a good year. We had to work a little harder than we thought, and that's mostly just we didn't get the cold weather that we were wanting, uh, which that's the that's the negative of duck hunting on the Texas coast. Sometimes you get the weather, sometimes you don't. But here we are sitting in the spring. I know that you're already looking at stuff 
for teal season and big duck season. What are you seeing? Uh, well, for one, there's still a whole lot of teal here. Isn't and that we, crazy? We were talking about it. I, I, I think, I think some of these teal are actually raising broods down here now. I think they. I, I mean, I'm seeing. Take for instance, Saturday. I'm in the bay, and I can't tell you how many groups of teal. How many? I mean, it was a burn down limit, and really? just and they were moving, and they do that. Uh, the the latest that I usually see teal is about May, that last full moon of May. But there are a lot of teal right here, right now. A lot of teal, a lot of spoonies. Are, are they moving back up? Yes, north? yes, they're coming. It's the yeah. group that that was down in sure. South America and Mexico. They're moving, moving back. So, and, and I'm telling you, uh, the earliest that I've seen teal here uh, were two summers ago. It was July the 24th. I was crossing right. the uh, intercoastal and and we had a little light north wind, and I saw four or five of them. But most of them. Uh, you know, they start showing up at the end of August and the first of September. But what um, what we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, dates have been released already. Right. Uh, till season is going to be September the 11th through the uh, 26th, another 16-day yep. till season, um, six ducks. Uh, regular duck season, November 6th through January uh, – I'm sorry, November 6th through November 28th, first split, south zone. And then the second splits December the 11th through January the 30th. Still 74-day, the most liberal uh, season. Well, because we're running through the whole month of January. Yes, yes. And and, and we had ducks all the way through January. We did. And, and last year, um, you know, I saw 50% of the ducks that I normally see on the, the piece of marsh that I hunt. Right. But what we had a really good season, and what that tells me, that that's actually the – the least amount of ducks I've ever seen on that place. And, and we, we still were able to put customers on birds. I mean, just, and, and we, you know, it's the kind of the same thing. Uh, we're trying to preach on the, uh, on the fishing side. You know, I, I, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago. Uh, uh, I just, I thought, you know, there's no reason for the guide to take his limit. Sure. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm all right with it if it if it's so fast and furious in the first 30 minutes. Right. But a lot of times people will sit and, and hunt till 9, 10 o'clock for four or five more birds, and it's the guide's limit. Yeah. And, and we're not, you know, it, be real honest, you know, we're not shooting a whole lot, so you're really not supposed to take it by water exactly. by water by uh, migratory waterfowl rules. So it kind of – it I kind of – like that day on the pier where I think the good Lord touched me on the shoulder and said, yeah. man, what are you doing here? I think I kind of the same well, way got convicted and said, man, you know, let's, what are you doing here? And so, and what it's done, um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of repeat customers sure. and they thank us for it because, you know, some first timers, you tell them, well, we're not going to shoot the guys limit. We're going to, you know, if there's four guys and a guy, we're going to, you were going to try to shoot 24 and get sure. out of here. And they, well, we're not going to shoot your limit. No, we're not. And because you're going to thank me for it when you come back, because I'm going to do the same thing the day well, before for you. Yeah. And, and the group that's coming after them is going to appreciate that we didn't go in and shoot out that whole side of the marsh. You know, the, but the, the good numbers are the, one of the positive things. One of the good news is we've seen some steady duck numbers. All the research is saying we should have good numbers again. What we need to start praying for is that we get the right weather. You know, we, we get enough of a storm. I'm not going to ask for a storm, but we get enough of a storm, you know, to push our water where we need to push it, and we can get all these birds coming on down. 
We, uh, yeah, we went seven years um, with a lot of water. And last year, I would – you know, last year was a dry year. It really was. I mean, we got rain at certain times. And, and right now, 2021 is turning out to be really, really dry. And that bodes well during teal season when you can pump water. Because if you've got water, right, it's, you know it, – it's like coming to corn, you know, uh, for, for ducks. But on the flip side, when it's dry, it costs an outfitter a whole lot more money to operate because that water is gold. And water assuming they can even gold. get water down Exactly. There. And yeah. let me clarify. We said the water is like corn. We do not feed corn. We <laughs> do not feed corn, <laughs> That's I promise. That's disclosure. But, you know, as, uh, and what I hope, duck, you know, duck hunters – have been a changing group. You know, our friends over in West Monroe got all excited about duck hunting, what, 15 years ago, and then we got all these more duck hunters. But it seems, and a lot of the customers that we took this year, the leases were getting more expensive, and they weren't able to go as often, so they're just finding their dollars were better spent with an outfitter. And to come into an outfitter that not only manages the hunt, but manages the land, manages the resource, all I got was thanks and, hey, we appreciate how, how that's being done. And the good news is the vast number of outfitters that we know in this area are trying to do that. They are. They're trying to. But, the, you know, uh, it's getting tougher to hold ducks because there are fewer and fewer outfitters. And only the, the outfitters can really afford to pump the water right. that needs to be back in the day when Larry Gore was blowing and going in the 80s and 90s and running, you know, goose hunts everywhere, you know, lots of, you know, he got, he caught a lot of flack, you know, because he had all the property, but Larry Gore did a lot for duck and goose hunting. Because he managed it. He managed it. He got the ducks here and kept the ducks here and all the other outfitters and individual hunters benefited from that. There was, you know, back in the day, uh, in the late '90s, and when I was guiding in El Campo, I mean, you had, you you had Blue Goose, you had Tony Hurst, you had South Texas Hunting Company, you had, uh, man, all the guy, everybody was rock and rolling in Eagle Lake. Everybody was it, rock and rolling well, in Garwood. For the geese, the geese were actually here. Oh man, it was. They were. We <laughs> used to just pound them. And when there's a lot of geese, and when you when you when you tailor your hunt. Uh, to snow geese you've got to have roosts set up to give them rest and hey those ducks use that roost now too you know but that's what's happened we just don't have the water and um and too much pressure we're not giving uh birds a rest a place a sanctuary to go uh because it's it it just costs too much you just can't well we're not it's not just duck hunters competing for the land anymore right you know, the the developers have taken so much of that Katy Prairie, and I used to guide out there as well. And, not, I mean, there's there's cul-de-sacs and, and schools on those properties now. But I think the pattern shifted to flyway. And we're going to talk more duck hunting when we get closer, too. But the, I want to bring up duck hunting because I'll tell you, a lot of the outfitters, I know, I mean, we're already looking at this, the, the calendars are starting to open up. And so if you're interested in doing something like this, now's the time to get your group together, you know, start talking about some dates and, and get out there. But – I hope this gives you a taste of what the Texas Podcast and Blast is going to be about. We want to be relevant. We want to be real. We just want to check in with folks who are really good at what they do to not only give you good information, but just have a good conversation about what's going on out there in God's creation. And so if you'd like to do more with Bink, uh, really the best way is just look at MadGordaSunriseLodge.com. Isn't that the website? Yeah, there. And I'll post on uh, uh, 
Matagorda Sunrise Lodge on, on Instagram and Facebook. There won't be any more stringer shots anymore. So, the, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to post good, good uh, smiling uh, big fish. We're letting them go pictures. Smaller piles don't mean that less fish were caught. That, smaller pills, piles mean we left more fish out there. That's the thing here lately. I've been going to the dock. Man, you would you have a tough day? No. Had a great sure day. Sure didn't. Had a wonderful day. And, we, we, and it's even better because I'm not getting the knife out. Yeah, and we did exactly what we wanted to. So thanks again for being part of this episode one, and I hope that you'll follow share this story because this is what we're going to do uh, in weeks to come. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bink, for being here. Thank and, you. Uh, man, you guys get out and enjoy that outside. Take care. <laughs>